Hi, it's <coughs> late Friday morning. I uh, had to spend all this morning working on my Saturday night talk for tomorrow night. I'm still doing the history series. And I'm so snow in with other work and Purim stuff. Um, I always have a Masiba uh, in my house on Purim. And I like to always try to put together something. As uh, I mentioned the other day, I, the only time I ever write anything down is... Um, is for Shabbos I go to Shabbos or for Hespids, or also for um, for Purim, believe it or not, because I always write a five or six or seven page Dark Torah or whatever purple whatever that I like to deliver. Because in Purim you drink, you don't know, you know, you you, you can't remember what you're saying. So if I have a text in front of me, <laughs> so hopefully you can't go wrong. And my son from Israel wrote me that send him a Dark Torah. For his yeshiva, and now they're going through the corona business, so it's been a hectic week. So I have a lot of things on the plate. That's why I'm doing this later on Friday morning. Uh, but anyway, what are we looking at this week? Is Parshas Tzavah? I forget Tzavah. Let's do Zachar, because this is Shabbos Zachar, obviously. It's easy for me to talk about that, because until now my mind was until this minute a minute ago in the in the lecture series, um, which eventually will be online, I think. Anyhow. Uh, Parsha Zohar has its weird parts because, um, first of all, I don't know if you ever thought about this. As is the famous story, Shaul doesn't kill out all of Amalek, right? He leaves Agag alive. Uh, if you follow the story later on, King Saul is killed by an Amalekite. Isn't that funny? Now, it's not 100% clear, but I'll tell you what I mean. I just remember this from memory. At the end of Shmuel Aleph and then the beginning of Shmuel Beis, there are two different versions of what happened to Saul. Uh, it's clear that he was in a battle with the Philistines, the Battle of Gilboa, and um, it was a fierce battle, and he was killed there. It's also clear, that, well, it's not clear how precisely he was killed. His sons were killed in battle. It says, Yonason uh, and, who is it, Malkishu and Aminonov, I think. But what happened to Shaul himself? So, in one version, which I think is a small olive, at the end, he falls on his own sword. So, in other words, he asked his assistant, his nose to 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 kill him. The guy wouldn't do it. Something like that. And uh, you can look it up. And uh, he killed himself. This has always triggered a huge uh, debate. In Chazal and afterwards, especially in the Middle Ages, is suicide ever justified in Judaism? Because it would seem that uh, Shaul was a from guy and he was a big Tom Chacham and so forth. Seriously. And so... If he killed himself in battle, must be under certain circumstances, uh, suicide is, is allowed. Not only allowed, it's the proper thing to do. Uh, the poor guy, Saul, I mean, you know, killed himself and the Philistines chopped off his head. And then they uh, took his body and uh, did it like a barbecue. You know, they shoved in one end. This is what it says. They, they shoved the spear in one end and came out the other end, the headless end. And they put him on the wall. They, they, they stuck the headless corpse. Um, on the walls of Beichan as a sign, you know, this is what you do to those who mess with the Philistines. And uh, what an end, you know. And it's only there was a town, Yavish Gil, had a very touching story where he had helped them earlier, so they came in the middle of the night and took his headless body down and um, took it back to their town, I think. And they were yearning. It's a very complicated story. and uh, But it's a very interesting one because uh, this town of Yavish Gilad was the town from which they took 400 girls back in the time of Pelagius Begibo. Because you will perhaps recall that the tribe of Benjamin was wiped out 
in the war plagues we give at the end of Shoftim. And, uh, I mean, literally wiped out. And they only like 600 guys left. I think that was the number. And uh, then they said, what are we going to do? Because we all swore that we wouldn't marry our daughters off to them. And the first thought was to go to this town, Yavish Gilad, which for certain reason they're not participating in the war. And they killed out all the men in Yavish Gilad. <laughs> These are Jews killing other Jews. And they took the women and gave them to the Benjaminites. So that's how the, uh, uh, that's part of the story of how the tribe of Benjamin was repopulated. It's a totally weird story. At the end of Shoftim. And um, that would mean that King Saul was probably descended from them because he's a Benjaminite, right? A Benjamin, you know, from 100, 200 years later, whatever. So it's just interesting that they would take care of his body and bury it. I remember they cremated the body. Uh, by that I mean they didn't do a mamish cremation, but they like uh, burned off the skin or something like that and buried the bones. Which... I take to mean that the Plishtim must have really mutilated the body in such a horrible way, which is what they do in the Middle East. I mean, the Arabs do it at this minute, at this minute, if they catch an Israeli, sorry to say. Um, and uh, the body must have been so mutilated it was better to burn it, and the bones were, were buried. You understand? That is actually the end of Shmuelalov. So the point is they committed suicide. And um, as you perhaps know, there was a famous occasion in Jewish history when there were mass suicides, and I'm not talking about Masada, I'm talking about from the firm perspective. In Torah literature, rabbinic literature, they don't use anything, any stories from outside the uh, the Bible and the Talmud and all that. And so Masada, nobody knows if it happened from a firm perspective. Josephus tells that story of mass suicide, which he heard from a lady who heard from the Romans. Or maybe it's the other way around, heard from the Romans, heard from a lady. But the story of Saul is straight in the Tanakh, as we all know. And uh, uh, in the Middle Ages, in 1096, in what they call Xeris Tatno, when the First Crusade came around, I'm, I'm sure many people know, entire Jewish communities of super frummies, super duper frummies, in the late 1000s committed mass suicide. I mean, the father killed himself and his wife and the children and everything. It was a real bummer. So how can you do suicide? Uh, well, why not? Shaul did it. That's one way of reading the story. But then... I remember the beginning of Shmuel Bays, which of course is a Christian breaking up of the books. Really, in the Jewish tradition, it's all one book of Shmuel, but I'm using the conventional way. And uh, an Amalekite shows up to David, who wasn't around at that time. It, it was far away from the battle. And he says, I killed Saul. And, uh, you know, and because uh, I was there, and he tried to commit suicide, but he wasn't successful in finishing himself off. And he asked me to do it, so I did it. Whereupon David kills him. But the point is, if that story is true, and it's not clear among the Mepharshim, whenever you have these different versions, which are almost juxtaposed in the text, you know, then, you know, the Barbanel says this way, and the Redox says that way, and another one says another way, you know. So it's uh, very possible that uh, the second one was Masbury, the first one, and uh, Saul was actually killed by, finished off by an Amalekite, which is really quite a, a poetic situation. I don't know what to do with it. He messed up. We all know Shaul screwed up by not wiping out Amalek. And in the end, he had to beg an Amalekite, please finish me off and save me from the pain and prevent me from falling live in the hands of the Philistines. Uh, I'm sure somebody who's a good speaker can do a lot with that theme. Again, if that story is correct, uh, then Shaul, in the end of his life, finds himself under circumstances compelled to beg an Amaleki to kill himself, Saul, so he shouldn't have to endure um, torture. And as I said before, it's quite a, uh, quite a story.
Um, there are other ways of dealing with that suicide shell. I'm not going to go into that now. That's not what I want to talk about today. But that irony that I just described is uh, kind of remarkable because uh, the whole story of Shaul is to do my Benamolik. But this itself is problematic. I don't know. Did I ever discuss this before in a podcast? I can't remember. But I think, maybe I did, maybe I didn't. I don't get the whole story with Amalek because he didn't wipe out the whole Amalekite nation. Uh, if you read in Shmuel Aleph and some other places, there are other Amalekite territories. I'll give you an example. Long after that story of Pasha Zohar, we find David. Um, these are famous. I remember this. Uh, later, in his, after this happened, joining the enemy side and working for the Philistines. And he had, they gave him a castle called Siklag. And what David does was, is he tells his Philistine employers, who really trusted him, that he is going out to raid and destroy Jewish villages and bring back the spoils and the booty. Which leads the Philistines to think that now he's really on our side. He switched, used to be Jewish, and now he's not. He's even fighting his own people. But in point of actual fact, the Pasuk tells us, he would go to Amalekite villages, wipe them out, and bring back the booty and say he got it from the Jews. So, and the Philistines never learned. So that means that there were other Amalekim, right? Uh, and while the Battle of Gilboa is being fought and Saul is being killed, if you follow the story in Shmuelalov, uh, the Amalekites raid Siklag and uh, kill everybody and carry up as captives David's own wives and children and those of his followers. It's a constant story how he chased them into the desert. By the time it's over, happy ending. You know, he catches up with them eventually and kills them and uh, most of them anyway and recovers his family and so do his followers. But I thought Shaul was supposed to lech v'hacharam Amalek. I thought in Parshish Zohar he told, go wipe out Amalek. So what's going on over here? Is it one particular settlement of Amalekites? If that's the case, what's the big deal that he left a few out? There are others anyway. Uh, don't I mean? Let me put it this way: Don't we hear ten thousand Torahs for Purim? It's like, oh, if only Shaul had killed Agag when he's supposed to, then Agag would never have been the ancestor, the progenitor of Haman, because it's Haman who Agagi, uh, and we would have spared all the junk from Purim. In which case, you have a lesson, sort of like Mayor Kahana, you know, kill him while you can. That's the right idea. Uh, not true. Uh, even if Shaul had killed Agag, there were other Amalekites, and so a Haman would have emerged, or could have emerged anyway, from other Amalekite ranks, uh, because there are plenty of other groups out there. That, that, that's uh, clear. So that's like a hole in the story. You know what I mean? It's, it's why we make a big deal about Agog particularly. You get the story, you get the idea from reading the Parsha, Parsha Zohar, that there was one group of Amalekites, and they constituted the sum total of the Amalekite population in the world, and so if he only had killed him out, it was like getting rid of the coronavirus today, you know, the cancer. And then we went out of trouble. Because he won left one, so that caused the whole thing to metastasize. That's usually the way the Chazal present the story of Agag and Haman and Purim and Mordechai and Esther. Because remember, Mordechai comes from uh, Shaul. So it's like a tikkun, you know what I mean? Like the Rizal, like a tikkun. That, you know, the ancestor messed it up, but the, the, the descendant got it right. Vos Epis. Uh, as I said, were there plenty of other Amalekim? We do not know. If you ask me a question historically or otherwise, uh, I'm not even sure in history, in secular history, you've ever heard of Amalek. I, I mean, I'm not an expert in stuff. I don't think offhand 
there's any archaeological evidence there was ever a group called Amalek. But, you know, there are a lot, of, a lot of Arab tribes that we don't know about, so that doesn't mean anything. But I'm simply saying that uh, from Amalek, uh, we end up with, uh, with Jews. Um, for example, the guy who killed Saul says he was an Amalekite gare, a convert to Judaism of one sort or another. Really? I thought you were supposed to wipe out Amalek. Exactly, Amalekites were shown him whether an Amaleki can be Megayer. But here we are, poor time. I, I know most people listening to this are at least somewhat familiar with the Gemar Megillah, I assume, uh, somewhat familiar. And there's a famous story, that, you know, Haman, not all of Haman's children were killed, which leads to the question of why not. But not all of Haman's children were killed, and some survived, and uh, converted to Judaism, and became Rosh Hashivas. Or at least the students in uh, Bnei Brak of all places, time Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Akiva himself, according to the Rambam, is a descendant not from a Moloch, but from Asaf, I believe. Asaf, isn't that interesting? How do I know that? I don't remember where it says. I distinctly remember the Rambam mentions that fact in the introduction to the Mishnah Torah, uh, which, by the way, you can get in that new Or Scroll volume that has my thing in it, also in the back, the Ger Shirgon. So. Uh, <laughs> Could Rabbi Akiva have been sent from Amalek? I'm, I, I've never heard it that way. But, I, you know, Amalek is a grandson of Asa, right? But I have heard, I mean, the Rambam says, it, it must have a source, that the Rabbi Akiva is descended from Asa. So, uh, oh my goodness, right? As a matter of fact, when you get into the whole story of Kamsa by Kamsa, it says Nero converted to Judaism, Nebuzaradan converted to Judaism, you know, we know all these stories. So, wait a minute, if you're supposed to wipe out Amalek, and Zecher Amalek even, so how do you have Amalekites to become Jews? And from Jews uh, at that. And what I'm trying to say is like this. For all we know, the person listening to this podcast, unless both of your parents are Cohen and Levi, you know, all the way back, you may possibly, and you're from Jew, you may possibly be, be descended from Amalek. <laughs> Think about that. You know, if you're Israel, and when I say Israel, I mean, there's no such thing as somebody who the whole family from A to Z was always Cohen and Levi, Cohen and Levi, Cohen and Levi. You know what I mean? Like, I... When I think if I'm a Kohen, that means my father and his father and his father were all Kohanim. But that doesn't mean my mother happened, me, myself and I, my mother happened to be a Levi. But I don't know where her mother, her mother was also a Levi, actually. But, you know, three or four generations back doesn't mean everybody's a Levi. You could be Israel. If you're Israel, you don't know where you come from. Uh, you could, I mean, literally, 100, 200, 500, 600, 800 years ago. Do you know that somebody in the family didn't marry, was a gay or something? You know, or, or I, that's the wrong word was descended from Gerim, and was, uh, because they didn't know by that time either. And maybe they're descended from Haman. <laughs> That's a nice one. When you listen to the Megillah, you give yourself a pinch every time you hear the name Haman. might be your Zadie. The same way people don't like to hear the unfortunate fact that one of their ancestors is Lovin. Uh True or not, all the Jews are, uh, I mean, all the uh, Jews are descended from Lovin. So that's great. We got one ancestor Lovin, possibly another ancestor Amalek, or many people have an ancestor Amalek. It's not possible. I'm only bringing this up because this this problematizes, but in an intelligent way, the whole story of Parshish Zohar. Because the whole gang of Parshish Zohar seems to be, you blew it, you could have finished off the problem once and for all, uh, had you killed a gog at the right time, we would never have any starts from Amalek later on. Not true, there are plenty of Amalekites uh, later on. By the way, I happen to remember also, here's an obscure thing, that in Divrei Yom Aleph somewhere, 
talked about the tribe of Shimon and where did they get land. And um, Pashim Shah Shimon got land in the Negev, located entirely within the territory of Yehuda. But I remember very clearly, it says, I think I remember clearly, maybe my memory is playing tricks on me, that the, a group of Shimonites of that tribe went to the Avery Yarding, far away, and they wiped out an Amalekite group. Sher Sapleta, Sher Lamalek. That's where you get the expression. It's funny. That's where you come to the term Sher Sapleta, which you use for the Holocaust survivors. Sher Sapleta is a Sher Sapleta, Sher Lamalek. If you got to Google or something, just Google the phrase Sher Sapleta, uh, biblical, and you'll see you'll see where it is in Devarimim. And uh, that was a di- completely different group of Amalekites. Somewhere out in the Avery er- territory, knows roughly what we would call today the western part, roughly the western part of uh, Georgia, uh, I mean the eastern part of Jordan and um, Syria. So uh, who are they? I mean, Shaul was attacking, we think, somewhere in the Negev. Who's this other group? So Vos Epis, you know, with this whole business, plus we have the statement in the Gemara that really complicates things that everybody knows, which is Shaulish Mishnah's Tavu, I was saying or however it goes, that uh, one was Mechias Amalek, one of them was making a king, and the third one was building a base of English. In which case, you see that, um, uh, how shall I put it, Mechias Amalek, as a practical task, was a big deal. It wasn't just something on the agenda. The three misses, it's up there with uh, setting up a Malkus base of it, and it's up there with building a base of English. Well, are you supposed to really go out and wipe out all the Amalekites in the world? That's usually how you see it in the swarm when you get a safer like minion of mitzvahs or something like that. So they'll uh, say, oh, there's a mitzvah called Mechias Amalek, and that means wherever you find a Malkai, you got to go kill him. Really? Uh, you don't find any of the other kings or whatever were doing that, like I said before. Why didn't David say, oh, you're from a Malachite, I'm going to kill you for that reason alone? Uh, you don't find it. So I don't know the answer to this. Uh, I'm not sure anybody does. But we're left with a certain mystery. And the mystery, of course, is, who the heck are these Amalekites? Where are they today? Uh, are they around or something like that? Used to be thought when I was young, they said, I guess Hitler is a you know, no, which means which means Amalek is a concept, not a, a, a an ethnic, uh, uh, you know, identity. But I never like I don't I don't think that's what it means. Uh, they said uh, I think Chaim Brisk or something. I mean, they I used to hear these stories. That doesn't mean they're true. You know, people pay stories around. But uh, who are the Amalekites and where are they? And if it's a mitzvah in the Torah, it means it's there all the time. So that would mean in the year 2020 that we're in right now, there's a mitzvah of which Shaul messed up, and you're not supposed to mess up, but where are they, and who are they, and, and how do you tell? Now, the only thing I'll say, and with this I'll close, because I have a very busy schedule today, I'm sure you do too, the only thing I'll say is, you never know, and you and I live in a crazy science time, and with the DNA testing and so forth, which is getting more and more refined all the time, I know what I'm going to say sounds crazy. It's totally possible, conceivable, that they'll come up with some kind of a test from the DNA to figure out who's an Amalekite. I have no idea how that would work, but they're doing these things to see who was a Cohen long ago and all these other business. I'm not a geneticist. It's above my pay grade. But I'm not dumb enough to say that it can't happen. Uh, you know, science is crazy. It's extraordinary. And so uh, I leave you with the thought, are they going to come up with some kind of a genetical testing I don't know on what basis? to figure out who's an Amalekite. It sounds crazy in the year 2020, but would it sound crazy in the year 2050 or 2060 if the world hasn't blown itself up by then? With that simple and happy thought, <laughs> I'll leave you for Shabbos. I hope I'll have time. It was my, it's my intention as I'm sitting here now. 
hope I have time, maybe on Tiny Sester, to do a podcast, maybe on Purim. But I don't want to do the same thing I'm going to do in my house. Um, for those who are in Baltimore neighborhood, I send it out to my list today. Uh, but most of you listening aren't on my email lists, uh, which I send out in Baltimore and some other places. But uh, if you happen to be in Baltimore on Purim, uh, then, and if you want to uh, pay a visit to my house, and we have a Purim Masiba every year, I do what I do is I do a Minichan, then a, a Sim on the Gemara Megillah, which I finish every year, and then we have a party for about two hours, approximately 145 to 345, because I got places to go, and so do you. So if you want to come in that window of time, then Bavakash, I'll call cover, you're uh, all welcome. I use occasions like this. Or when I go out of town, Scotland residence, a lot of time lately, especially this past year, I'm connecting faces and, and voices and emails. Because a lot of people write to me or text me or so forth, and, and there's such such a person, I don't know who they are, but I, I, I have occasion to meet them. So as I said before, if you are in Baltimore or in uh, Purim, then it's 145 to 345 uh, at my home, which is on 6003 Western Run Drive. You guys, if you're listening to this, you're younger than I. You know how to look all this stuff up on the internet, find people's addresses. So I'm not worried about that. Um, if I have a chance, I'll try to say something about Purim uh, also, but not one of my long words because when I go on Purim, it's too long for a podcast. Anyway, have a good shop. Bye-bye.